Not anymore. Yes, I was a broken woman. Yes, I didn't love me. Yes, I decided to settle for what wasn't best for me. Yes, I was in a toxic relationship. Guess what? Not anymore. I have grown from the broken pieces. I have learned to love me when no one else loved me. I have learned that I will never settle for in my life or my peaceful atmosphere. I have learned the difference between love, lust of a good relationship. Yes, I wasn't perfect, but I learned to work on my mind, my body, and my soul connections. Yes, I have allowed the wrong spiritual around me. Now, I've learned about the not allowing the negative energy around me. Yes, I've been down the road of destruction. Now I've learned how to not move by emotion, but by the spirit of my faith and purpose. Not anymore, my fears will not keep me from being a better version of me. Not anymore, my toxicness will stop me from loving myself or trusting others in my peaceful place. Not anymore, my lack of post-trauma is going to stop me from my future growth. Yes, not anymore. I know I'm powerful. I know I'm overcoming. I know I'm a positive, I know I'm loved, and yes, not anymore, I'm dope, dedicated to other people, empowerment, I love my dopeness and so should you. Not anymore. Yes, I was a broken woman. Yes, I didn't love me. Yes, I decided to settle for what wasn't best for me. Yes, I was in a toxic relationship. Guess what? Not anymore. I have grown from the broken pieces. I have learned to love me when no one else loved me. I have learned that I will never settle for in my life or my peaceful atmosphere. I have learned. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in to The Power in Your Voice. And i like to thank you for always coming through, getting the inspiration, getting empowered, and getting those gems that we need to hear. So today, our special guest is Miss Monique. How are you doing, Miss Monique? How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm feeling great and just so ready to share and be and do and just go. I'm ready. <laughs> so can you introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you do? Yes. So my Monique Mormon. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. I now reside in District Heights, Maryland. Um, I am a mother of two. I'm a grandmother of um, my grandson. He's my first one and so proud of him. And what I do is I make sure that everything that flows through me is about helping others. So I am an entrepreneur. I have my own cleaning and organizing business, Monique's First Class Cleaning Service. I am a two-time best-selling author of a children's book and anthology. I am... Uh, actress part-time. <laughs> I am a musician. I am a, uh, I am a organizer for the nonprofit. I am my brother's keeper and I am all things positive. 
and that is me. And I am here to share so many great things with you. Yes, a woman with many hats, y'all. A woman with many hats. So let's go back for a second, you know, because you went from Brooklyn to Maryland. Now, how does that feel? Like, is that, was it a big change to move from one place to another? Because, you know, sometimes that could be a culture shock. It can be, you know, very different. Oh, well, <laughs> absolutely true. Um, but I am also familiar with that because I have actually moved <laughs> to North Carolina uh, years ago uh, just to get a change of environment for my girls when they were younger. Um, it was too quiet for us, so we came back. <laughs> and then um, had the opportunity to work uh, with security, with the government, and so that was up in Connecticut. So uh, the plan was to move up there, stay up there, but then I had the opportunity to transfer back to New York. So, you know, I, I've been well equipped with knowing how to move, how to adjust. And this uh, move to Maryland was even a, a greater experience because we moved here because initially my daughter and my son-in-law were expecting um, their first child. Um, unfortunately, there was a uh, miscarriage. And then uh, following, you know, right in the midst of the pandemic, uh, they were blessed again. And he came through in the same month as me in May of 2020. <laughs> and so just to be able to be close, to be uh, needed to assist and to just help them maneuver through all the new things that were happening as a result of the pandemic. Um, it, it was just so uh, welcoming just to be here. Everyone around here is just uh, so welcoming, so, um, you know, so neighborly. And, and that's what you want, That's especially when you're moving from where you know, where you love, into this new city, but it was just such a great, great move, a great experience. <laughs> that is awesome. So tell me, was you always wanting to be a writer since you was younger or it just happened? So life happened and then you decided to, you know, write about some things that were going on. Um, so ironically enough, I was writing and didn't know that I was writing. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's like that epiphany, epiphany that happens years later. And you're like, oh, wow, if I look back, I've actually been doing a little bit, you know. Um, so I helped uh, during our uh, school plays, our school events. And, you know, I would write up a little something. And then that progressed into assisting in church and Again, writing plays, assisting with events, or, you know, coordinating and organizing, all of that. And then it wasn't until, you know, I had that moment when, you know, I had to go through surgery and was just at the lowest point in my life. And, you know, all these things are going through, you know, how do I come out of this slump that I'm in? And so I just, you know, I prayed about it and 
God just showed me, write, just keep writing, write about what is most on your heart. And that's how it, that's how it came to be. You know, um, like I said, it was there, but I didn't recognize it. I didn't acknowledge it until the moment where I was at my lowest. And, you know, sometimes being at your lowest is when we tend to find that writing is therapeutic. Yes. You know, it's, 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 it's a part of helping us heal and go through some things. So yeah. during this process of writing and, and healing and, you know, the lowest point at that moment, especially during COVID, which was even another situation on top of it, what do you feel that you learned about yourself in the midst of this? I learned that there is so much that is needed to be shared. Um, there's so much that's needed to be acknowledged for others, not only for yourself, because after each book was published, it was like this doorway opened for other people to say, hey, um, you know, I experienced that too. Or especially with um, my children's book, The Little Drummer Girl, um, so many actual adults instead of children were coming to me and, and, you know, just expressing that they felt that way when they were younger, that, you know, they didn't really um, have the opportunity to convey that they were really ready to, to you know, answer the call of the drum. And that was because of the stereotypes that we have a tendency to put ourselves in or these, you know, these boxes of, you know, well, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what is expected. Um, that's really something for, um, for a guy or this is something for a girl. You know, it's, it's, it was never, this is something that we can all do. And so it was just, you know, like the best medicine ever for the world. And even with the anthology, you know, just coming out and letting people know, you know, hey, I'm a hoarder and, uh, you know, I've learned this. This is something that, you know, was, was taught, not on purpose, but it's just something that we do in common everyday knowledge about, you know, what are we holding on to? what is giving us comfort and you know so many people again just like i you know i can relate to that or it, it may not be that bad in one situation but yeah i hold on to papers i hold on to um belongings from my family members mm -hmm. i hold on to things that just give me joy, stuffed animals. You know, a lot of people, you know, we win them at the carnivals and, you know, you just, you revel in that moment of joy. And so you get attached to it, some right. more than others. And that's, that's just how it is in the life that we live in. Things give us comfort. And so, you know, just finding that there were others in need of that story was so refreshing to me to know that okay yeah it, it's time yeah definitely you know it allows you to know that there's somebody attached to the story there's someone attached to the message that you have inside of you you know yeah. someone is going through the same thing that you're going through yes 
you know. So let's talk about the little drummer girl. Like, mm-hmm. was did you used to drum when you were younger? And two, how did you come up with the title? Okay, so <laughs> I actually didn't start learning to drum until I was 16 because every other musical instrument just never really spoke to me so i you know kind of like shrugged it off like okay well i guess i'm not supposed to learn a a instrument because my brother plays the saxophone my sister she was a flutist and my sis my eldest sister she danced and you know i that was ballet i have a different i got hip-hop i got you know I, I, that's, that's my lane. Um, but never really able to catch on to reading notes the way they were supposed to be for piano and, you know, all these other wind and, and string instruments. And so it was just like, you know, I, I can hear that beat. I can dig that. I know how to play that. Um, yeah. But who do I tell? <laughs> and um, you know, I, like I said, I I finally um, said what I wanted for my 16th birthday, um, and then I got lessons. Um, that kind of fell through. There were things that were happening that just were not um, kosher, and so I had my own strength that told me no. I don't want to go that route. I'll teach myself. And so I taught myself based on the few things that I did learn. And so that propelled me into being able to play in the church. And from there, you know, playing on and playing with a group in my school. And it just, it elevated me. And so once I had my eldest daughter, she would attach to me playing the drums, you know, but never, never really said anything to me. Um, and I'm not even really sure if it was because I never instilled in her, you know, you can play anything you want to. I kind of just sat back and waited. Um, and it wasn't until later that I found out that she wanted to learn. And so, as I'm laying there healing, um, so the the initial thought was to do a bio, which I have written. I just have not <laughs> published it yet. Um, that is coming. Um, but the publishing company that I worked with, they said that the appeal would be greater working with a children's book. And so you know, of course, I had written a couple of things down that that I had gone through and, you know, the experience with my eldest daughter and wanting to learn how to play the drums. And the little drummer girl is my daughter. (laughs) It's my eldest daughter. And so that's how the book came to be. And a lot of the um, pictures, the illustrations that are in the book are based on uh, when she was little. And then there is one picture of my niece in there as well. And, you know, it just was something that started giving me so much joy because it wasn't even all about the book. It was just like, you know, I get to express what happened to me and my daughter 
all in one thing and share it with everybody else. And so that's how that's how the little drummer girl came to be. I love it. I love it. So what are you expecting your readers to get out of the little drummer girl? I want them to realize that there's always more to a conversation that we have with our children. And it's not that you have to feel like you haven't done enough, you haven't listened hard enough, but you have to be open to the possibility that there's more that they're telling you. And so just like you want them to ask questions, you can ask them the questions as well. Is this what you mean? Is you know, is it something else? Do you want something in addition to? And so as you go through the story, you'll see that um, the little girl, Talia, is just asking her mom about playing these drums, but she's so invested in making sure that her child is having this great time and, you know, as being a little girl and enjoying life that, you know, she wants her to be exposed to everything else. And, and you know, she's this musical teacher not realizing her daughter is telling her, I want to play those drums, you know, so... Um, I want them to know that um, we all have these moments that we have to um, step back and look at it in a new eye, right? Add that additional eye. So, okay, so Cyclops <laughs> coming in and letting, letting us know that there's something else over there. You have to look and see exactly what it is. And... Um, I want them to to know that that we have just so many opportunities to um, converse with our children. They're children, but we can have conversations with them that are geared toward what they want. Right, and I and I love it because a lot of times, you know, the best way to understand your kid and to get to know them is to tap into what they like and to ask the questions, what they like, what they want to do, what's their favorite color, like to get to know them so they can get to know you too and have Absolutely. that conversation, have like that open door, you know, yeah. being able to express themselves. So I love it. So let's talk about her story. Okay. So how did you decide to get into doing the anthropology her story? So um, that was through a connection I made with Carolyn Wilson, who is the uh, woman behind her story. Um, she brought 25 of us together because um, Shania is also a co-author of the book. And um, we came together and she expressed to us the vision that she had for this book and because she had encountered each of us in different scenarios she knew we had stories to tell we we had something to give and to share with the world um and so ironically enough i was in a space where and this was after the move okay <laughs> so this was after the move and i was in a space where okay the flow of coming to help out with my grandson um, had been established, but I still felt like something was missing. Um, something I hadn't done, something that needed to fill up the 
dead space in between while he sleep, while Joshua's sleep, while, you know, my, my children are working, you know, so there was just nothing to fill the space. And so I prayed about it and I'm like, okay, Lord, what is this feeling that I'm having? Um, I know that, you know, trying to travel with all this stuff and trying to work through my hoarding disorder was just something that I still was overloaded with. Um, I was overwhelmed in those moments. And, um, you know, it was like, there's got to be other people that feel the same way. So how do I, how do I tap into that? How do I communicate with other people? Listen, if you want to talk about it, you know, let's talk, let's do this. And so I'm telling you, I'm just, you know, how you flick through your phone and your emails and you see this and she just sent out this call for authors. And I'm like, okay, let me see what that's about, you know? And I mean, from that moment, it was like, here you go. This is what you've asked for. This is what I'm bringing you to so that you can share this with the world. So it was unequivocally, yes, you know, I had to be a part of this. And even throughout the story of of writing and, and us coming together, there was so many things that was, you know, just trying to stop the process and hold everything back from us expressing, you know, this healing process for the world. And that convinced me even more that this was so important. And there was just no way that I could not have been a part of this. And every story that you hold is important and it's relevant, you know, and and that was something I learned through writing this, through being together with authors like yourself and, and these other women from around the world. And you know, healing, empowered, and resilient, which is what the acronym of her is representing, is something that was more than just writing words on a page. It was strength. It was light. It was love. It was and is (laughs) a, a continuation because we're now getting ready to go into the second installment with a whole new set of women. So it, it's just, it's amazing just to be and know that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. Absolutely. So what are you expecting people to get from your chapter and her story? I'm expecting them to learn something different. So we all get caught up in in what we know, what we've seen, because there's all these shows about hoarding, buried alive, and uh, you know, uh, and um, where you have these intercessions that you want to do with those that have these problems, but they haven't understood that it's something that we're all susceptible to. Because just because it's not you today doesn't mean it's not you tomorrow. Um, You don't know what trauma will take you into. You don't know what levels, you know, you will be broken down piece by piece 
in every way possible to the fact that yes now you're hoarding but people don't understand that it's not something that they just don't want to get away from or you know you go and you try to help them and you know they don't want to respond that's not it and the other thing is there's different levels of help there's different there's different ways that people can come in and be assistance to you and and that just is a result of our different personalities because i have worked with people and you know emphasized okay you need to be in this moment for this person you need to be ready to just when everything is broken down you're you're there to take everything out because some people can't you know emotionally themselves work through the process of someone healing from the hoarding disorder so it's all these different levels that you need to know it's not just a show it's not about being resistant it, it's it's so many things that has to be pieced back together because the puzzle is broken Absolutely. So tell me, what is next for Ms. Moore? Okay. <laughs> so what's next is um, getting the sequence in line for the sequels <laughs> of, each of, the, of each of the books. So um, I am working on a sequel to The Little Drummer Girl. Um, as I had mentioned prior to, Carolyn Wilson is working on the sequel to her story. Um, and, you know, I will be of an important part by being supportive. And so not being in the page, but still being supportive in the process is everything when you have found a group of women that just automatically becomes your family because we're we're still family and now we're getting more sisters in line um there is a um autobiography that i spoke about before that will come out um and then there are other uh books that i have written that also i will take and dust off <laughs> the pages and bring it to light because it's it's geared toward healing everything that I write. And it's about awareness as well. And so just be ready to hear more from me on the uh, author side of the page. And then also I am uh, building up my organization to the point where I want to start being uh, more effective with those who are homeless and um, what I've experienced here in the DMV area is that they are serious about helping them um, to get some type of shelter. Even if, even if they're still outside, they still have shelter. Um, so I'm working on trying to get tents as well made for you know families because they're families out there you know it's not just one two or two persons it's 
families that are also affected. And there's just not enough room sometimes because things come about, things force you into these uh, scenarios and we just need to be ready with supplies and with help. And so I'm, I'm working on that. Um, I'm working on a play, um, one that I'm in um and i will be <laughs> working through and it's called uh crowns and that's going to be also in the um maryland area in, in Bowie, and that's going to go throughout the holiday season and they're talking into the the spring of next year so you know more to come from that and um i have my own play that i've written and then i have to expand on and that's going to be in support of the nonprofit organization. So um, I'm pretty busy. <laughs> Listen, yes, you are, but I am super excited for all that's coming. Uh, tell us now, let's talk about this organization that you have and helping the homeless. Like, what's the name of it? Um, give us the mission of it. And, you know, just tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Um, so the name is I Am My Brother's Keeper. And it is to help remove the stigmas surrounding mental illness and homelessness. And so I have uh, been a family member um, of both sides of the spectrum. So my sister that passed away and my brother uh, both suffered from uh, bipolar manic depression. And, you know, experiencing that in light of knowing that these are your loved ones, you're trying to help them. You don't know how, and half the time you don't understand what's going on. Um, so you're, you're propelled forward to learn more, to know what's happening, to, to know what's going on. And then from there, um, realizing that there are other illnesses that affect others mentally um, because there's a breakdown in their biological makeup. It doesn't mean that they're less than, it doesn't mean that um, they don't know how to reach out for help. It's just a breakdown in their situation. And so we have to work together and have that compassion to, again, want to learn more, want to do more to try to help, and um, also try to bring together those who facilitate programs and um, medications for them. And so um, that is part of the mission. And then with homelessness, it's, it's also that spectrum of most of those who are homeless, most of not all, but most of those who are homeless also suffer with mental illness. And so, you know, we have to address both issues simultaneously. We have to dig deep into wanting to do more. Um, you, we can't just say, well, you know, the, the government will work it out or the city and state will uh, put together programs and find places and find uh, help for them. We have to be active in it as much as possible. Um, and sometimes it's even just the mere fact of you listening, you know, 
because that's what propelled me into um, starting the organization was just listening. So being in New York, I'm on the subway, you know, you encounter a lot of people that are homeless. And I, and not that I'm any better than anyone else, and I'm pretty sure there's other people that do it, but I'm listening to what they're saying. Um, not only just to be aware of my surroundings, but to understand what's happening with them. And so, you know, I also attended a, a, a learning program in my former church um, through the Department of Health that, um, you know, just gave us things uh, to learn and to be more proactive in our communities, um, to be in communication with officials, with um, with the police department and with the health department and, you know, contacting them when we see someone that is out there homeless, especially in the wintertime. And, you know, it, it, it was just a mesh of things that were placed in my environment that allowed me to want to do more and to start this organization. And so that's what I did. And, um, you know, we're working together, it's flowing, you know, and, and we're coming up, we're coming up in this process of being advocates for those who cannot help themselves. Amazing, amazing, amazing job. I commend you for all that you do for your community and the families of those that need the help. So, you know, we always need those encouragements and people to take a stand because a lot of times people see things, but they don't do anything about it. So I commend you for taking a stand and stepping up. Thank you. Thank you so much. So for anybody that's out there, could you give them a message to inspire them to go for their dream, to step into their purpose and to just be involved in things that, you know, they, they feel passionate about? Absolutely. So first, I would say, identify what it is that you have the most passion for, and then find out how do you get it. Once you go from there, then you start working toward living the dream, making it happen. It's not going to be an easy road. Um, there are going to be things that you will go through that will help you experience what you need to get you on the other side. So whether it's good or bad, it's still productive in making you better and to enhance you into your reality of, you know, this is my goal. This is what I want to do in life. Um, and always look to, to connect with others. So, you know, commonly known as networking. Network with others in the same field, in the same, um, you know, likelihood of what you want to do. And it will help you set a plan because you also have to have a plan of where you're going, what you want to do so that you are well equipped and prepared to go beyond you. And that's that's something that I always say, you have to go beyond you. It has to be something that creates a legacy. It has to 
um, not just stay within you or within the little box that you create for it. It has to be something that everyone is able to experience because that's what we are here to do. We are here to share and connect with each other so that everyone gets a chance to experience you, to experience your creativity. And you don't want to uh, bury it. You want to enhance it. You want to expound on it. You want to, and you want to keep it um, fresh. So you have to learn something new about it every day. You know, you learn something new every day. Yes, you do. Um, and and it's it's nothing wrong with asking questions. The only um, <laughs> what they say, the only uh, bad question is the one that you never ask. The only question that's stupid is not asking the question at all. Right. That's right. That's it. <laughs> and so, you know, ask these questions. Um, get more involved in you. Um, and make sure, because I, I struggled with that myself, make sure that you take care of you. You, you have to have that self-care. You have to have that self-care and self-love for you. You have to be ready um, to sacrifice everything for you and for your dreams. And so I encourage you just keep pushing forward. It's, it's not an easy road because it's not supposed to be. You know, anything worth anything has so many uh, different paths that you have to take. So take every path, you know, one closed door, go and knock on the other door, you know, and if they're both closed, there's one in the middle, you know, so just keep going, keep pushing forward. Now, do you have any, did you do your vision board for 2023? Like, do you have, like, what are your top three goals on your vision board for 2023 or just your goals, period? Even if you didn't do your vision board yet. <laughs> so I, I've, and that's, that is so, see how things happen. Uh, the universe is speaking to us. So I had been looking at my, my vision board for last year and um, just thinking about all the new things that I want to put on for 2023. And, you know, one is to, never stop increasing the goal, um, which means, you know, every everything that you do has a goal, but it doesn't have to stop. You know, just, yes, you reach that one. Okay. So you put another one on top of that and another and another, and you just keep going. The goals have to rise so that, you know, the ceiling is just unlimited. The other one is, Again, that self-care, that self-love, make sure that you remember that because sometimes we forget it, you know, even though it's out there, even though, you know, you tell yourself life happens and there's only 24 hours in the day. <laughs> sometimes you wish it's like, can I get like 32 maybe, but <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But you, you have to revert back and have the self-care. You have to take those moments to regroup for yourself um, because you can get lost in the production, right? Um, and the third one was, was so and is constantly important to me is 
family. Family, family, family. And family in any way, shape, or form that is. You have to have your core support. Whoever and wherever they are, you have to keep them present in your life because what we're finding is that uh, we're losing a lot of people for a lot of um, senseless reasons. And we have to make sure that we stay connected as families so that, you know, Joe Blow knows, well, their family is here. A lot of people assume you have no one, you have no family. And like I said, it doesn't have to be biological. Anyone that you connect with is your family. And so stay with them, talk with them, you know, which also uh, produces us being more proactive in our communities. And, you know, it's, it's, we've got to get back to that. We've got to get back to just being our brother's keeper. <laughs> you know, I, you know, <laughs> you know, we have to get back to that because um, we don't want to keep losing our people. We don't want to, and, and that's on any level, anywhere, anybody. Um, we don't want to, we as um, African-Americans, um, we lose so many of our people and, you know, we, we struggle with trying to, you know, understand where, what's happening, where's it coming from? And it's the breakdown in our families that, that, you know, started in the beginning and, we have to get back to these values of, of making sure that we are connected. We have to get back to making sure that I am your support. You are my support. And anything that you need, I'm here for it. And um, just be more, more, um, more conscious about everyday life because it, it it can be gone in a second and so i just you know i want to keep my vision on my family to make sure that they know that everything i'm doing is for them everything every every corner of creativity that there is in me is with my family they are with me so that is awesome. And those are three top awesome goals for 2023, you know, because they can also travel into all the years and beyond. So it's not like one goal that has to be just for that year. So right. I definitely love the goals that you have set. I love the goals that are your top three. So can you tell the people how to find you, how to find your book, how to connect with you, how to find your found your mission, your, your foundation, your organization, how to connect with Miss Monique Morgan. <laughs> yes. So um, they can find me on Facebook, uh, Monique Mormon. You can find me on Instagram, the little drummer girl three. Um, I've also got uh, the organization on Instagram. I am my brother's keeper, 2126. Um, you can get in touch with me through email, Monique.com mormon0812 at gmail.com um 
You can also find me on <laughs> TikTok at Mo Knows Best, which I go through a, a visual diary of uh, digging my way out, which is about hoarding. Awesome, awesome. I thank you once again for joining us, Monique, on the Power in Your Voice podcast. It's been an honor having you here today. Please Thanks. make sure you stop by, you know, drop in. We are always here and ready to listen to the new with the new with you. Thank, Thank you, everyone, you. for tuning in to the Power in Your Voice podcast. I have been Sheena Gadon, your host, better known as the lady behind the mask. Mm -hmm. If you would like to be on the show, you can contact me at Sheena Unmasking, Unmasking Motivation. And mm -hmm. let me spell it out for you because my name is not spelled like Sheena. It's spelled like Shana, which is S-H-A-N-A. Unmasking, U-N-M-A-S-K-I-N-G, motivation. And I think we got that at gmail.com. Or we can tap into my website, which is www.SheenaUnmaskingMotivation.com. Powering Your Voice podcast is always here to give you a place to release your voice. Thank you again for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Thank you. Introducing to some and reintroducing to others. Speaker, entrepreneur, motivational coach, and author, Sheena Gadine. If you wish to contact her, you can contact her via email at sgadine16.